0: Well, hello, I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western Medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western Medicine. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. This radio show in no way means to prescribe or diagnose for the conditions that are being interviewed about... I am not a practitioner of any medium. The show really is merely about making information accessible to you, the listener, via people's stories of what worked for them to put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. If you're feeling upset, depressed, lonely, anxious, there are lines that you can call Beyond Blue Lifeline to assist. Remember, you don't have to feel alone. If you are feeling ill... Or well, something feels intuitively a little off, the best thing to do is to seek a medical practitioner's advice. Go and see him, see what's going on, get some tests done, and the rest is then in your hands. Remember, you are in the driver's seat of your life and your health. Oh, today on the show we have Kimberly Spencer whose diagnosis is bulimia. It wasn't a diagnosis from a doctor, though. It was a self-diagnosis because of what she was observing that was happening to her body and herself and her mind. It all started because, basically, and no one's blaming anything about parents, but what she was taught at home had a very significant impact on the way she looked at dieting. Her dad was an addict of different things and her mum was a bit self-obsessed about her body. She claims that by 12 she had tried every diet there is. At 9 years old she wanted to be a ballerina and her teachers were actually giving her some pretty bad advice that she should basically stop eating at 4 if she wanted to maintain that ballerina body. She was about 12 when she purged for the first time and And all of a sudden, she felt this elation, which then just became an issue for her. And it wasn't until 16 that she started to tell a family member that this was happening. So bulimia and purging was her ability to stay in control of her life. Let's find out more about Kimberly's journey with bulimia and hear what she has to say about control when the world around you is kind of falling apart. Hi, Lainey. It's good to be here with you. Thank you so much. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to get this together and here you are.
1: All it took was me leaving Australia to, <laughs> to, to get on from us being in the same country. Isn't that bizarre? Well, we're, we're here today to talk
0: about something. Were you ever diagnosed with this condition that we're about to talk about or was it a self-diagnosis?
1: It was a self-diagnosis, okay. but I think bulimia is pretty straightforward. If you're throwing up your food, it's <laughs> it's pretty
0: easy to self-diagnose. All right, Lynn, let's go deep into bulimia. So how old were you when you started deciding that food was causing you grief, I suppose?
1: I was about nine years old when I started to use food as a form of control and acknowledgement. Um, so, gr- growing up in my house, I grew up with an addict. So, my dad was always, if he wasn't drinking, he was going on a diet to like try to g- get off drinking, get sober. And then meanwhile, my mom, I rarely ever hear still to this day, her say something nice about herself. And she's always trying a new diet or a new fast or a new cleanse or anything. Um, and so growing up in that environment, I really didn't get any proper resources for how to have a relationship with food or how to have a relationship with my emotions. So I learned from both my parents that The best way to process emotions was to escape, suppress, and repress them. And until they bottled down so much that they then exploded. Um, So dieting was very normal in my household and fasting. And weird. I think by the time I was 12, I had tried every single diet that there was out there. I mean, I remember when we were, when I was about 10 years old, my whole family went on a whole group diet for Atkins. That was v- very part of our family culture. And then it wasn't until I was about 11 that I was I was dancing all throughout my childhood. I wanted to be a prima ballerina, and I was getting groomed to go to Joffrey and do the summer season. And my, um, my dance teacher said, why don't you stop eating around 4 p.m.? And I, at 11, I was an early developer, so I was starting to get hips and boobs and curves and... And I thought that that was weird advice. And I remember where I was standing and it was in the hallway. And I was like, this is this is very strange advice, considering the fact that I still have homework and I, I would be up later. But I tried it and I didn't really do it. And and then I remember when I was about 11 or 12, my mom always had tons and tons of supplements and all of all different types of vitamins and she's always been on like different health kicks and so i thought i remember seeing a tv commercial and i was like oh take vitamins be healthy and i was constantly searching for this inner peace this this sense of peace from all the emotions that i had been bottling up from that space i took i took a handful of vitamins and one got stuck in my throat and if you've ever had that experience it's like It's awful it feels like burning and it's like stuck there and so i i remember thinking well i could sit here and suffer or i could just like try to like get it out and so i that was the first time i ever stuck my finger down my throat when i was about uh, 12 years old i ended up vomiting all of my food up because i had um very strange rules already around food and sometimes i would go a whole school day without eating and then i'd binge after school with my mom and we'd go to a restaurant or something and I suddenly had, after I purged for the first time, I had this feeling of peace and this sensation of momentary quiet in my mind and in my body. And that just started me down a pattern of finding that thing that was the thing that I thought would bring me. Piece, which didn't eventually. It eventually started tearing me up, but it wasn't until about four years later that I came out and told my parents that I had an eating disorder and that I was throwing up my food.
0: What is it with dance teachers and giving kids mental health weight issues? I've spoken to quite a few women that were dancing and it's always the dance teachers that are putting wrong information into little girls' heads about the way they should look if they want to be a dancer.
1: Yeah, dance has such a history, though, of expecting women to look a certain way. I mean, if you look at the uh, American Ballet Theater, like their dancers looked pretty much the same, same height same Wait until basically missy copeland came in and, and changed the dance universe but really for many many years dances especially ballet and ballet i think attracts a certain type of personality for me i've always been a, a perfectionist it's still something that i work on as being is the perfectionism and ballet provides you with freedom in the dance but also a certain level of control and it's a very structured a form of dance. So I think that it does attract a certain personality that's more prone to perfectionism as well, which also perhaps contributes to the culture. So that after that first
0: feeling of, please when you vomited for the first time, did you know right then and there that that's what you were going to do? Or did you think you would just kind of like play on the edges of it and maybe do it once or twice to feel good?
1: Yeah, for me, it was basically just being curious about it. Like, even in my career, I've always followed my curiosity. And in some ways, it's turned out really amazing. And in other ways, like with bulimia, it wasn't really, I didn't do it with the intention of, oh, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to do this all the time because it took a while until I was under a lot of pressure as a high schooler. And switching schools and, and feeling like I had to perform at a certain level to achieve certain goals that I had back then. And the perceptions of pressure that I put on myself were what built up the bulimia to being the resource that I was using to cope with trying to control my circumstances and trying to control my emotions and trying to control the experience of of life at home
0: yeah that that word control is a massive huge one massive word that you that you keep hearing in stories of this with women it's
1: yeah i call them the three trojan horses you have three things that everybody is chasing after to some degree and that every belief everybody wants one of the three i found more than than maybe the other two For me, mine was always control, but the other two are safety and acknowledgement. So a lot of times for safety, that can also be translated into what's familiar. So the familiar patterns of being in a emotionally abusive relationship with your body, because that's what you saw modeled for as a child. That can be the, the, there's safety in what's familiar. And there's also the, the acknowledgement piece, and a lot of people chase that external validation and that acknowledgement. And so you can get a lot of, I, I, that was something that I did receive a lot of, um, and I found it to be a way that I would get attention was from my friends pointing out, hey, Kim, you're not eating lunch again? Or, oh, you're just having a, a Diet Coke back when I used to drink soda, but oh, you're just having that for lunch? And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm skipping." And so, it, in some ways, it would get me that acknowledgement. It provided me with the familiarity of it was something that was very. I was very calm. I saw it modeled, um, and this is all subconsciously, but I, I saw it modeled in my household. That there was some sort of external thing that you used to escape whatever problem that you were having. And for me, that ended up being a, a controlling, manipulative abuse. Abusive relationship with my body and with food. My my mom still asks. She's like, "How do you like love? Like you really love your body?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this body now has birthed two beautiful children." And after going through that process of natural childbirth, I'm like that. This is a this is a palace, baby. Like, this is a temple. But it took me a long time to get to that space, to be in that relationship, that really positive, healthy, amazing relationship that I have now with my body. So how often were you purging? Initially, it was very sporadic. And it wasn't until I got into high school where, like I said about the beliefs of pressure and the perceptions that i had that i had to perform at a certain level and achieve a certain uh gpa and grades when once i started putting those pressures on myself that's when purging became a default resource and i started doing it regularly after after meals and it wasn't until i was about 16 when i realized i was like i'm i'm not liking this and i know i knew just on a on a deep level that this was something that wasn't Positive, and I didn't quite know what to do about it because I didn't have any other resources to control my emotions to navigate how to feel.
0: Was there a like a turning point? Was there a, was there a story that you can share that was the point where you went to your mom and said, all right, I've got this issue.
1: We very rarely ate around the dinner table. We typically would eat in the TV room uh, and just kind of do our own thing. My dad would be vegging out, my mom would eat and then she'd kind of go up to work a bit and then I would just go off and do my own thing. So it was like very separate even though you were living under the same house. And I remember we were one time eating at the family dinner table and my mom wanted to have family dinner and I thought, okay, well, this is like a semblance of normalcy, so maybe I should mention this thing that I'm doing that doesn't feel quite normal, Um, and it seems like other people aren't struggling with this. I shared, I said, I, I just want to let you guys know that sometimes I throw out my food. And my mom was shocked and scared, and my dad was like, oh yeah, sometimes I do that too. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it wasn't until a bit later that we had started to eat dinner more regularly at least attempting to at the kitchen table and we were had were eating dinner again and I went up to go do my homework and that was really honestly what I was going to go do but I had a pit stop along the way and I remember my mom seeing me leave the table and I was like okay I'm done I'm gonna go do my homework and I walked upstairs and when my parents put on the the second floor for the house they didn't like really well insulate it so you could always hear everything every thud of anybody walking upstairs and so I got very good at like sneaking across the hallway to just go to the bathroom and um, there was a a fan in the bathroom so it kind of would drown out the sound and I remember going like sneaking across the hallway and opening the door. And before I could even close it, I hear this like thud 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 of my mom racing up the the stairs. And she literally sees me reaching for the toilet and pulls me off of it and she says kim i like and i was i was so angry at her for doing that because basically she was arguing with my emotional addiction to this cycle of purging and so i was furious and we got into a massive fight and she was screaming and i was screaming and crying and like how dare you do that to me you don't own me And she ended up actually tackling me to the ground to where she was sitting on me and pinning my hands back. And she said, Kim, I love you too much. I'm not gonna let you kill yourself. And that's when I really realized that what I was doing was just a slow form of suicide. And that two, I didn't wanna die. And that three, my mom really loved me and I wanted to find a way for her, for me to get better. That was really when I started seeking out new answers. It never was with uh, professional help. It was just always kind of like with books and following my curiosity, again, with looking for answers in different ways. So I looked with answers because through the bulimia, it had made me wonky with my periods. And so seeking out uh, hormonal Therapies to be able to help support the PMDD that had developed through throwing off my biochemistry. So it wasn't just a choice of stopping eating; you were
0: actually helping your whole body get back into alignment. Yeah, something that isn't quite known about bulimia is it's not just about purging; it's all the other systems that that start to shut down because of that choice.
1: Yeah, we're holistic beings, and everything in our every system in our body, from our nervous system to our circulatory system, our digestive system, they all, are reproductive system, they all have impact on us. In fact, your gut sends more information to your brain than your brain does to your gut. And so when you throw off that biochemistry of the gut because of purging, it changes how your brain is actually operating. The only way I really knew how to kind of control things was to try to find new answers. Was it an easy thing to stop or did you need some psychological intervention? I actually stopped with no psychological or medical intervention. I I don't recommend that for everyone. For me, I didn't stop immediately. Once I want realized that I didn't want to have bulimia be a thing. It took about 6 years of recovery, relapse and going through that cycle of trying to find some sort of answer. Did you join forums uh during the time? No, I didn't I didn't really have any forums or chats or any place to look for that. I just kind of was figuring out things on my own what i did find was books the first one i found was a book called skinny bitch that was all about veganism and that book that i read i was fascinated by because the one thing that it was really promoting yes it was promoting veganism but why they were endorsing going vegan was to promote greater peace with animals and harm and i said well peace is what i was searching for so for six years i did go vegan and that was the first diet Beyond anything else that I did solo, I wasn't looking to anyone else for acknowledgement. I wasn't looking to cheat as I had with other past diets because I had so many funky, weird food rules where like if I was on this diet, but I would cheat, then suddenly I would have to purge and then I would just all these really complex food rules that I that I had created. With veganism, when I when I became a vegan, it really was to find a more peaceful, harmonious way of living. But the only thing I craved for six years was was steaks and burgers. And by after six years, I'd become anemic, and I I remember that because I couldn't donate blood. And I was like, well, this is kind of silly if like the only thing I'm craving. And by by after six years, I had been recovered for uh, I think about two years by by then.
0: By recovered, what do you mean?
1: I don't actually like to say I recovered. I like to say I transformed because it's almost like a a butterfly is not going to go back to being a caterpillar. My personal belief is not to always be in recovery because if you're in that space, then there's a mindset of the perception that you could relapse again. And that's that mindset shift alone for me was a huge one where once I'd shifted my identity of who I was and the relationship that I have with my body. Like, there is no way I will abuse her the way that, that I did for, uh, for a decade. Is bulimia a relationship with your mind or your body? Both. Yeah, your mind and your body are intimately intertwined.
0: So because we were talking about control before, was it also a factor
1: of your weight more than just being in control of your mind? The weight was the front concern. You may have heard it said that the problem is not the problem, the problem is that you think you have the problem. So the problem was what I perceived to be the weight, the number, but it's just like any sort of financial goal as well. You perceive like, oh, I need to achieve this weight to feel X, Y, and Z. I need to achieve this financial goal to feel X, Y, and Z. The perception of what you believe, that number of what you're striving for, will do for you or will make you feel. Now I look back on when I would be paranoid about a specific number and I'm like, I'm heavier than that number is now. And yet I love my body so much more. And it wasn't until I started disassociating myself from that specific number and making that number not mean anything. Because one of the tools that I used to start healing myself was also Pilates, where I was actually physiologically changing my neurochemistry by activating my parasympathetic nervous system which had never really been activated. Pilates, yoga, and Qigong are three forms of exercise that activate your parasympathetic nervous system through breathing. This one modality was the the first form of exercise that I did that ever made me feel good in my body. You can change your body and you can change your biochemistry. I found Pilates through acting. I was in an acting class. The acting class was where I was learning how to experience emotions and then one of my uh, fellow classmates, she was studying to become a, an instructor, and she's like, "Can I give you some free lessons? I need I need to get in some hours for my certification." And I was like, "I think Kate Hudson does it." And I was trying to go about exercising and treating my body in a healthily way. So I said, "Yeah, sure." And I tried it, and I remember after thirty days, I not only saw the results, I felt them. Like I felt the difference in my body. So would you say that
0: you love your diagnosis? or your self-diagnosis would you say that it was one of the things in your life that has kind of molded you to where you are now
1: yeah absolutely i mean i am able to work with people from all walks of life who have had all different varying types of trauma and, and childhood experiences and who may not have that place in their body where it feels safe to be cuz for i mean for a while it didn't feel safe to be embodied in my body because of some of the childhood trauma that I went through and I think that's one of the things with bulimia and eating disorders it's it's almost trying to escape that beingness in in your body and and now I I have so much compassion for people who are going through that that struggle. And I have so much hope for them. Then that leads me to
0: this next question. Would you have some tips or advice for people going through it?
1: I think, first of all, giving yourself the acknowledgement that when you if you're listening to a podcast like that, then you're out seeking new answers. You're on the path. In order to shift, give yourself some compassionate curiosity. And instead of asking, why did I do that again? Because why, why, when we're looking at our problems, can be a very quick way to shame spiral. Versus asking yourself, what triggered me? Like, what was the real thing that I was actually trying to escape from? Or what was the feeling that I was trying to escape from? What brought on that feeling? And allowing yourself to get compassionately curious about what led you to that path. So I recommend when you make those mistakes and you have those slip ups and you get triggered again, ask yourself what and how questions to start seeing what the strategy was that led you to that place. Asking yourself a question like what or how will give you some better answers rather than the why that will lead to the shame Yay. spiral. Thank you for sharing that. And
0: you've got a website, which I'll put into the podcast notes because you're doing great work in the field
1: in very brief. What what is your work? So I do high performance coaching for visionary leaders. I work with the people who are the creators who generally have too many ideas and too little time. And so I work on getting them holistically solid because I don't believe that your business should affect your body or your body, your body affects your business, your, your relationships affect your body. And so we're not this one size, like put everything into specific boxes. So I really work on coaching from a holistic place to find greater purpose and fulfillment in all areas of your life. Right. Well, if.
0: People listening want to touch base with Kimberly. That'll be in the podcast notes. And thank you so much for sharing your story. There's some great insights there for people going through that and just in general, really. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lainey. If you would like to donate to the running of this podcast and you can afford a few little bucks a month or whatever it is that you can afford to keep the show going without ads, please... Hit the PayPal button and if you've got a few loose coins, that would really mean a lot to me and other people who are listening to this podcast and getting seeds of inspiration. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that just means more people will know about it. If you've got a story that you want to share, that you've had success with and that you've researched and found some some joy and gold in your own diagnosis, please hit me up. I'm always happy to share anyone's story. The main takeaway message in these podcasts is get second opinions, find a doctor that you really resonate with and research the shit out of what you're going on. Get back in the driver's seat of your health, everyone. You do not need to take one person's opinion about the rest of your life and how to live it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Lainey Godiva.